This morning I woke up at 6 a.m., jumped out of bed, did 100 sit-ups, went for a six-mile run, drank my protein shake. Uh, Every bit of that is a lie. I did none of that. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I want to start the show today by talking about last night's Monday Night Football game very briefly for just a couple of minutes. Not because I'm a passionate Cowboys fan. I'm certainly not a passionate Arizona Cardinals fan. Although, state of Arizona, given that it's snowing outside right now, it doesn't sound too bad. I could I could go for some Arizona right now. No, I, I just want to avoid talking about the Packers for like five minutes. Like five or six minutes. Let's just do a little bit of sports talk that doesn't remind us that our team just flops in big moments. Let's just talk for a couple of minutes about sports, about a game that doesn't remind us that our team, the Packers, lost 38-10 to 10 on Sunday. Once again, coming off a bye. Once again, nationally televised or just about. Just a couple of minutes. Give me a couple of minutes to talk about a game that I enjoyed that is not directly connected to my my emotional favorite team, the Green Bay Packers. Just a couple of minutes. And we can talk a little bit about Mike McCarthy. We'll tie it all in, put a nice Wisconsin bow on it. And we'll be back into the Packers here in five or six minutes. Promise. Bear with me. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you're having an excellent, excellent night. It's a little bit of a bummer today because yesterday we had a football game at 3.30. I guess I don't really know how to uh, function on a normal workday now without a 3.30 game to watch. Felt like a little bit of a letdown today. Not even Tuesday night football like we had last week. And we're back uh, We're back in the normal swing of things. We do have Badgers football coming up on Friday. It will be great to have the Big Ten back. Um, and we're going to talk about Badgers football actually coming up before 6 o'clock. I have a story, a personal story that is unique to me and only me. You can't find this at the Wisconsin Journal Sentinel or the La Crosse Tribune. You can't find this in the Wisconsin State Journal in Madison. No, no, no. This is unique to me. So if you want an interesting story related to Badger football and one of the stories that kind of broke and a a cool story that came out this weekend, I'll give you that coming up before 6 o'clock. It's unique. You're not going to get it anywhere else unless, of course, you check out the podcast at WK2iSports.com. That's the only place you'll find it. Other than the Badger talk, we're going to talk Packers pertinier for two hours straight. We're going to talk to our friend Ebo from the zone in Madison uh, coming up at 430. I got to ask him about his boy, Mike McCarthy, because he was the biggest Mike McCarthy fan right down to the bitter end in Green Bay. And look, we'll get into this game here in a sec. I, I don't fault Mike McCarthy 100% for everything that's going on in Dallas, but it's certainly not a certainly not a great look, right? You, you certainly don't want to be two and three with your only losses being to the terrible Atlanta Falcons and then uh, or your two wins, rather, to the Falcons and to the terrible Giants. So, tough situation in Dallas, and, and tough situation for our uh, our boy Ebo, who is, at one point, was the self-proclaimed president of the Mike McCarthy fan club. I don't know where his status stands with that organization, <laughs> but we'll talk to him coming up at 4.30. Otherwise, all Packers for the next two hours, and you can join the show if you'd like. Shoot me a text, 608-796-2558. You can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, as well. Okay, before we get into Packers, just let me talk sports for five minutes without having to pick at the scab that is that 38-10 to 10 loss by the Packers. Last night's Monday Night Football game was amazing for a few reasons. Uh, one reason not being the final score. It was not close. The Arizona Cardinals actually had the same final score as the Buccaneers did on Sunday, 38-10. to 10. So, like, I, I guess, Packers fans, we can be like, yeah, look at the Cowboys. The Cowboys suck. They got blown out. But it is the same. It is the same final score <laughs> as the Packers had. On Sunday, I didn't realize that until now. That's a tough scene. 
Last night's game was amazing for a couple different reasons. Uh, Not the final score. The game wasn't close. Firstly, it was the second Monday night game of the day. There was the early game at 3 o'clock. So it kind of felt like a bonus. Bonus football, right? It, It feels like even if the game sucks, it's still free football. It's still the second game of Monday night. It's still a game that we're lucky to have. It's like Thanksgiving leftovers, right? You heat up mashed potatoes and gravy, and the mashed potatoes are never really as good second or third time. You got to microwave them, add some water and stir, and then the bowl's really hot. And it's just, But there's still mashed potatoes. There's still Thanksgiving leftovers. So even if they're not great, there's still Thanksgiving leftovers, much like even if the second Monday night football game isn't that great, it's still the second Monday night football game. First reason, it was great. Second reason, although Dak Prescott was out, it was interesting to see the, the Andy Dalton show, because a lot of people this week said, hey, there, there's not going to be a big drop-off. No, 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 not, not going to be a big drop-off uh, after Andy Dalton uh, steps in for Dak Prescott. Not a huge difference. The Cowboys should be okay. Maybe a little step back, nothing more. So I was interested last night going in. It's like, well, we'll see if the Andy Dalton people are right or wrong. Thirdly, we got to see Kyler Murray play. I don't get to see Kyler Murray play a lot, and I illegally stream, or <clears throat> allegedly illegally stream, as many out-of-market football games as anybody and I don't really watch Kyler Murray that often. So if I don't see him, God, it's it's like America's being robbed of watching this 5'11 dynamo at quarterback. And it was fun to actually see him play last night because Cardinal, Cardinal games are never available to the rest of the country. I should call my grandma who lives in Phoenix. She should give me the rundown every week because she actually lives there. She can actually watch the game. So it was a good chance to watch Kyler Murray last night. And finally, the Cowboys are always entertaining. Even when they stink, you add Mike McCarthy into that mix, it's even more Interesting. So for all those reasons, last night's game was still great. And after watching a blowout of the final score of 38 to 10, and it took the Cowboys like every last chance to get to that 10 points last night, even after watching that blowout game, we have some answers and we have some conclusions to some of the questions and the storylines that I just posed. Many people right off the dome, uh, Andrew Perloff of the Dan Patrick show, Colin Cowherd uh, of the herd with Colin Cowherd. They said this week there wouldn't be a huge drop-off from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton. Well, that was determined to be a lie. Andy Dalton was terrible last night, but still, he threw 54 times. Andy Dalton finished 34 of 54. 54! Threw two interceptions, easily could have had one or two more. It was a nightmare. It was bad. Now, just looking at the final box score, I'm a little bit confused as to why Mike McCarthy... Let Andy Dalton throw 54 times. Like, you got Ezekiel Elliott, and I know he was fumbling, but, I mean, you have a better option? Tony Pollard's a great back. I really like Tony Pollard. Like, figure out something. Hand the ball to a wide receiver, right? Just do what you did with Randall Cobb. Bring Michael Gallup into the backfield and just go, here, take it and see what you can do. Andy Dalton was bad last night. And it's not 100% on the fault of Andy Dalton. Any backup quarterback is going to be a step back. Even Andy Dalton, who's made the postseason, right? He had a lot. He had a a good run, and since I'm not going to say he had a great run, but the people this week, they're like, well, the Cowboys should be okay. There shouldn't be a huge difference between Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. Really? Okay. Well, I didn't listen to Colin Cowherd's show today. I'm interested to see how he backed away from that take. I'll, maybe I'll catch myself up tonight. There were also many people who said that Kyler Murray, who's 5'10", and a lot of people think he's even shorter than that. A lot of people said he was too short to be an NFL quarterback. Well, that was determined to be a lie. Now, Kyler Murray throwing the ball wasn't great last night. He's 9 of 24. He was off target. He's going every which way. But he did have two touchdowns and no interceptions, which is more than Andy Dalton could say. The rushing attack 
the rushing attack for Arizona between Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake had 164 yards last night, including one run, a backbreaker in garbage time of 69 yards. Um, nice. Kenyon Drake, much better than Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott had 49 yards on 12 carries. His longest run was 11 yards, and he had two fumbles. Like, Kyler Murray and this Cardinals offense is fun. It's dynamic. And even when Kyler Murray isn't hitting his passes, and he was pretty off target last night, luckily none of those passes were intercepted, luckily for Arizona and for Kyler Murray. But running the ball, you know, squirting around, God, he was fun to watch. That was a blast. That was a blast. Many people, myself included, thought that the Cowboys were going to be pretty good. I I didn't know that they were going to win, you know, 11, 12 games, but I I thought their offense would be a light show. I I think this situation is actually really good for Mike McCarthy. Good quarterback, a lot of wide receivers, one or two good running backs. Like, he should have been able to put his offense into place. Now, COVID, shortened offseason, I get that. This team is terrible. They're 2-3, and and they're lucky to be 2-3. and Between that onside kick debacle that racket with Atlanta. And then, of course, what happened against the New York Giants? The New York Giants are terrible. Dallas still gave up 35 points, but they were able to win. This Cowboys team is really, really, really bad. I'm a little tired of the Rodgers-McCarthy divorce analogies. Like, oh, Rodgers winning this divorce. It wasn't a divorce, right? Like, Mark Murphy stepped down from his perch and split them up and fired Mike McCarthy. It's not like these two got divorced. Like, enough with the divorce analogies. They're two grown men. Doing their thing, different situations, different jobs, different points in their career. Let's stop it with that. It might not be going very well for Mike McCarthy, however. Divorce or no divorce, whatever analogy you want to use. This was Jane Slater, her report for NFL Network today that at two and four, uh, it's not going well for Mike McCarthy. Things are starting to pop apart at the seams. And that's not a fat, overweight joke. That's not what that was. Things are just falling apart. Let me tell you what I'm now hearing from some of the players this morning. You know, now that, of course, it's two and four, discontent starts to leak out, Andrew. I'm told this coaching staff is totally unprepared. They don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. Another saying, they just aren't good at their jobs. Ugh. Well, at least nobody called him stale. And at least nobody said that he got a massage when he should be in a team meeting. So Mike McCarthy, I guess in that regard, still coming out ahead. Good job, buddy. I'm I'm not cheering against Mike McCarthy. I don't want to see him get fired. That would suck, especially in a COVID year where his quarterback gets hurt. His team doesn't appear to be that great. His defense is in shambles. I I wanted Mike McCarthy to get another shot. I want him to get a fair shot. I'm not rooting for the guy to get fired, but then again, it's the Cowboys, and the Cowboys can go to hell because that's what the Dallas Cowboys are for. So now that we've kind of moved past that, I wanted to talk about that just for a couple of minutes to have some fun before we have to unpack and, and try to figure out what the Packers are doing right now after getting blown out by that same score, mind you, 38-10. to 10, uh, The Packers elected to give up those 38 points uh, unanswered. I, I don't think it was the same. Well, it wasn't the same for the Cowboys and the Cardinals last night. Let's get back into the Packers. This is the Wisco Sports Show, after all. Although, Dallas is America's team, and Wisconsin is in America, so I guess there's a little bit of a connection there. Naturally, we're going to talk a lot of Packers today. Let's start where we ended last night. Big picture. All right, we started yesterday's show kind of picking apart the details, the little things that went wrong, and then right before 6 o'clock, I said, okay, well, here's the situation. Here's where the Packers relate to the rest of the NFC. Here's where they relate to the rest of the division. And here's what their path may or may not look like to contention in the postseason, the first, second round, and beyond. Big picture, I think the Packers are fine. Look, notice I said fine and not amazing, wonderful, right on track. No, the Packers are, they're fine. I don't think this loss exposed them as a second-tier team. That loss to the 49ers last year exposed them. There was the 49ers. There was the Saints, there was these other teams, and then there were the Packers. 
that loss was a categorizing loss where all of football fandom and media and everybody looked at that game and said, okay, the Packers aren't on the same level as the San Francisco 49ers. And I said exactly that after that game last year. There was no him and Han. There was no, well, no, it was very clear. And I said so on my show. In fact, that week I went back and I looked at previous precedent of the Packers getting blown out in the middle of the season and then going on to match up with that team again in the postseason. And 2015 is an amazing example. 2015 is a year where the Packers were fine. They were pretty good. They, they had very little depth at wide receiver, and their defense wasn't all that great. Although that was the rookie year for Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins. That was like the five minutes that they were good in their careers. So I guess their defense wasn't that bad. But it was disjointed. The wide receivers weren't there. Ty Montgomery was playing running back, and Eddie Lacy was fat. Like, 2015 is an interesting year, but it's a great example for uh, precedent getting out in the middle of the season. In 2015, the Packers played the Denver Broncos, the Peyton Manning Denver Broncos, and they got shredded. They got killed 29-10. to 10. Now, Denver went on to play in the Super Bowl that year, so the Broncos in 2015 were the gold standard in the AFC and in the NFC. And Denver blew them out. And Aaron Rodgers looked terrible. It was one of his worst career games. Like, like it was a game that almost doesn't count. Like, the QBR was so low. The stats were so low where you don't even know what to do with it. Very similar to the Niners game last year. Very similar to what happened on Sunday. Packers get blown up by Denver 29-10. to 10. Okay. Season rolls on. Very late in the year. I think it was the second to last game, which would make it, what, week 16? Green Bay played Arizona. Interestingly enough, we've gone full circle. They played the Cardinals. They lost 38-8. to eight. Aaron Rodgers looks terrible. The Packers don't look like they are on the same level as the Cardinals. The Carson Palmer-led Cardinals. And the Packers couldn't even, they couldn't even hang. They weren't even in the conversation. Didn't appear to be on the same level as the Arizona Cardinals. And the Packers ended up matching back up with the Cardinals in the postseason. Now, they ended up losing in overtime. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was much better in the second matchup through some Hail Marys to some receivers that most people will not remember in five or six years, at least not Packer fans. 2015 is an amazing precedent for the Packers losing in the regular season in a way that defines their standing relative to the rest of the league. Denver and Arizona, two of the teams that were at the tippy top. Arizona ended up losing to the Panthers. Cam, that was his MVP year. They go on to the Super Bowl where they meet the Broncos, who also killed the Packers that year. I don't think this loss to the Buccaneers is that 2015 loss to the Broncos or the 2015 loss to the Cardinals. I don't think it's the 2019 loss to the Niners, even though that game was also off a bye and that game was very similar. I think this Packers team can definitely beat the Buccaneers, but they need to address the problem. The problem. Now, the Packers have lots of issues. Lots of little problems. They could probably use another wide receiver. They need help on the D-line. They need another linebacker. I think they need a new defensive coordinator. The only question now is is how to make that work. How do you transition as smoothly as possible? Now, they have some injury issues as well, especially if David Bakhtiari misses time. They have lots of issues, but I don't want to talk about issues. I want to talk about the problem. The one systemic problem that is going to plague this team. It plagued them last year. It plagued them back in 2015. This team is soft. They fold. They tip over. Like, you ever go cow tipping? I've never done it, but I, you know, I've read about it, seen it in movies. You just walk up, you push a cow, and they, they just tip over. I don't know if you could go outside uh, the city of Madison somewhere. I don't know if you go out near the outskirts of the forest, and you find a field of cows, and you walk up at night when they're standing there, and you push them, they just tip over. I'm sure we could go. I could go down near Prairie du Chien, find a nice pasture, uh, maybe up by Centerville, probably north, probably north of Lacrosse would be a little bit better. You ever go cow tipping, right? They just tip right over. 
They don't push back. They don't really do anything. They just fall over. That's what this Packers team is. They face the slightest little bit of adversity, the slightest little push or punch or shove, and they just fold. That's the problem. And until they address that problem, and I don't know how they're going to do it, but until they address that problem, I don't want to talk about wide receiver, D-line. I don't, Patton, I don't want to talk about anything. Because until that problem is addressed, nothing is going to change. Not a single thing. Tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, Texas Show at 608-796-2558. Coming up next, let's talk about the first loss of the season. Because the first loss is always interesting. The Packers just had theirs back on Sunday. I went back the last couple of years, and I did the research, and I looked at this Packers team first loss the last couple of years and how we reacted, what we thought, just to try to figure out if, if we're overreacting to this Bucks loss. Uh, spoiler, we're not. I'll explain why coming up next. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. I hope you're having an excellent Tuesday. I don't know what the weather is doing outside. The studio doesn't have a window. And I'm not going to talk about the weather for minutes on end here. But if it's snowing, if it's slushy, drive carefully. Glad you're tuning in. If you drive slow and you take it easy, more time to listen. More time to talk Wisconsin sports. That's the silver lining. Look at it that way. 608-796-2558. Mark says, and I, Mark, I apologize because Mark and I are not seeing eye to eye. He says, I'm going to pass on listening to you until after the Packers play again. Your reaction fits better a four-game losing streak than a single blowout loss. All right? I, look, Mark, we see it differently, and that's just fine. I Look, I, I think the Packers will probably come back, win three or four of their next five games. Absolutely. Like, this Packers team is going to win a lot of games this year. They're probably going to win the division. They're probably going to win a playoff game. Now, I, I aspire for my team something a little bit higher, something a little bit better. I want to contend for a Super Bowl. I think we've seen in the last four or five years, we've seen this team where things go right one year and they're able to make the NFC Championship game and then they, they get outclassed and they get blown out. And on Sunday, they got outclassed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So because my goal is the Super Bowl, that's what I want to see from my team and I think that's what all Packers fans want to see. I react and I analyze uh, accordingly. So Mark, if if you don't want to listen, I understand that to each their own. We are going to talk to our friend Ebo coming up in 10 minutes though. So if you want a different perspective and you don't want to listen to me being annoying, uh, you can listen to Ebo be annoying instead. He'll join us coming up at 4.30. I did a little bit of research, uh, which is why the studio is smelling like smoke. I was working real hard this afternoon. And I went back the last couple of years, and I looked at the Packers' previous first losses of the season. And I tried to put myself in the headspace and remember how we reacted, right? What did we say? Especially last year. The Packers were playing well. They were 3-0, and then they lost to the Eagles. And I'm like, what, what were we thinking? What were we saying when that happened in 2018, 2017? What happened? Because I don't want to overreact, and Mark, you think I'm overreacting. I want to be balanced, right? I want to be appropriate. I don't want to be yelling and screaming, but I also don't want to be sunshine and rainbows. Ah, it's okay. Just enjoy the ride. <laughs> I don't want that to be the show either. So I thought, let's go look at the last couple of years, and maybe we can try to put this year in a perspective. So last year, the Packers lost first in week four after beating the Bears, the Vikings, and the Broncos. The Packers host the Eagles on Thursday night football. It was the Oktoberfest game. I watched it at the grounds, and I'm pretty sure I spent like $70 to have three or four beers. That's what I remember most about this game. But I also remember the Packers losing 34-27 to and giving up 176 rushing yards. Team was soft. Team got nailed. They got shoved around. It looked bad. It was a bad. It just looked soft. They didn't look like the physical, more dominating, impressive team. Now, I remember my reaction after that game was, Devontae Adams gets hurt. 
And I believe till this day, if Devontae Adams doesn't get hurt in that game, they win. Because the Packers only needed a trusty red zone option that could improvise a little bit with Aaron Rodgers. If Adams is in that game, they probably win. And then at that point, the Packers don't lose until they play the Chargers in Week 9. And we're talking about an 8-0 football team. If Devontae Adams doesn't get hurt, they play better, they probably win. And I doubt they finish the game 3-for-7 in the red zone. Seven trips to the red zone is a lot. To only come away with three touchdowns, Devontae Adams' injury, something to do with that, right? But I remember mostly about that Eagles game last year, other than overspending for beer, which I would do, like, now I'd pay $100 down at the Fest Grounds if I could go have a beer at the Fest Grounds right now. But the other thing I remember most, the Packers got pushed around, and it, and it wasn't just me who saw that. I remember turning on the talking heads that week. Because it's Thursday Night Football, everybody talks about it. And I remember the next day, everybody's saying, uh, the Packers kind of got, got pushed around. It kind of got dominated up front, and it's tough to win at the highest level. I'm talking NFC Championship game, Super Bowl. It's tough to win at the highest level if you get pushed around on the offense and defensive line, and that's what happened last year, which is kind of what happened against the Niners last year, later in the season, and it's kind of what happened yesterday. So two listeners, and I hate to keep going back to you, Mark, because your opinion is valid, and, and I'm glad you reached out. But this is what I'm talking about. I'm not overreacting. I'm trying to predict what's going to happen based on the evidence that we have. Last year, the Packers got pushed around in week four. They got pushed around in week 12. And in the NFC Championship game, they got pushed around like, I don't know, like a pile of dirt with a bulldozer. It's a boring analogy, but that's what happened. Packers got pushed around in their loss on Sunday. They got punched in the mouth a little bit. And that typically doesn't bode well for results later on in the season. 2018, let's go back another year. Now, the Packers didn't lose until week three, but they tied the Vikings in week two, which that was the Clay Matthews debacle, right, that kind of gifted the Vikings a chance at a tie rather than the loss that they most certainly deserved. They ended up losing in Washington in week three. They lost 31-17, and I'm pretty sure Clay Matthews had a roughing the passer penalty that got McCarthy all hot and bothered. Other than that, that's all I remember. I I don't understand. I don't remember a damn detail from this game, not a single detail from this game. I went back and looked at the box score. J.K. Scott attempted a pass. J.K. Scott threw a pass in this game. Don't remember it at all. I feel like that's something I should remember. No memory whatsoever. Adrian Peterson had 120 yards. That's another thing that jumped out to me in the box score. The Packers got pushed around. Old Adrian Peterson behind a Washington offensive line that's quarterbacked by Alex Smith. They got pushed around. Once again, I'm not trying to overreact to a loss. And I don't remember what we said week three of 2018 because that's a long time ago now. It was like a pandemic and a half ago, it feels like. But Adrian Peterson getting 120 yards, Packers getting pushed off the ball, kind of similar. Go back to 2017. Let's try to really reach into the memory here in the next minute or so. They lost to Atlanta in week two when Atlanta was opening their new stadium. And and to me, this loss doesn't count. This is a rule that I have. If a team is opening up their new stadium and the Packers go there for that first game, the loss doesn't count. It happened with the Vikings. It happened with Atlanta three years ago. Like, that loss doesn't count. It was on Sunday Night Football. It was the Falcons show. Like, shut up. That game doesn't count. They lost 23-34 to to the Falcons. And then their next loss came when Aaron Rodgers got hurt in week six at U.S. Bank Stadium. And I don't know. McCarthy and Rodgers were doing their thing that year. It was looking good. They beat Seattle. They beat Cincinnati at that awesome outside throw to Jordy Nelson in the end zone. Beat the Bears. Beat the Cowboys. And then Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. And they lose three games. They somehow scrape one by the Bears. And, like, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't there. It wasn't it. Once Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So that loss against the Vikings, I guess it's hard to overreact to that. Aaron Rodgers got hurt. In 2018, it was much of the same. They were getting pushed around. 2019, they were getting pushed around. 
the Packers often lose games when they get pushed around. So when I complain about Penton's defense or when I complain about their lack of attention to their run defense through free agency or through the draft, that's why. Is because you can look back the last three or four years and it's all the same. Every loss is the same. They're getting pushed around. And that's what happened once again on Sunday against the Buccaneers. Coming up next, we're going to take a couple of minutes break. We're going to get Ebo on the horn, our friend from the zone in Madison. We'll talk Packers with him. And I want to get his statement uh, as a Mike McCarthy fan on what's happening in Dallas. That's all coming up next with Ebo. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. We are talking about the Packers and doing our best not to overreact. I don't want to be the overreaction guy today. I want to be realistic, right? I don't want to blow sunshine and rainbows and it's all fine. It's all good. Like, yeah, the Packers are 4-1. Cool. They look like they're a really, really good team and it looks like they're ready to compete with the rest of the NFC, but got some work to do. I'm just trying to reflect that today. I don't want to be negative. Don't want to be angry, but got to be realistic as well. My goal is the Super Bowl. Right, I've had enough just making it to the NFC Championship game. I've had enough of just enjoying the ride. And our guest right now, Ebo, uh, who does mornings in the zone in Madison. Ebo, like you're the same, right? Like, are you over everything? Like, it's Super Bowl. That's my standard. That's what I'm looking for. Well, Grant, last time I checked, it was called Title Town. Yes, right? yes, that's the uh, answer I'm looking for. The Packers are not in the business of hanging banners for winning 13 games in the regular season. You know, it's Title Town. It's time for some more Lombardi trophies or winning the Big Ten West. We don't hang bang- banners for that either. Only only PJ Fleck in Minnesota does that. <laughs> he'd, he'd find a way. So, Evo, like, first, thanks for coming on. Can't thank you enough. I, I love having you on, especially now that I'm on in your market in the city of Madison. This is not meant to be gotcha journalism here. It's not at all what I'm trying to do. I want to make that very clear. Just an honest question. I know once upon a time you were captain, chairman, uh, leader of the Mike McCarthy and, fan and club. PR. And, and PR. So you really did it all. Now, I don't know if this if this organization still exists or if it was disbanded, but I just, I guess I want your thoughts on the highly successful football coach, Mike McCarthy. I feel for him because I don't think this is really a fair shake. He's dealt with injuries. The team isn't that great. It's COVID. Like I'm not cheering against Mike McCarthy here. I'm just asking as a biased third party, like what your thoughts are right now on Mike McCarthy and what's going on. Um, You know, Mike McCarthy, well, first of all, the Mike McCarthy fan club is kind of disbanded. It didn't disband, but it's become inactive since he's no longer the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And he's on, you know, America's team right now. And God, if that's America's team, good luck. Yikes. I guess it is 2020, though. Yeah. Uh, But, yes, um, Mike McCarthy. um, In fact, people were messaging into the fan club, uh, Dallas Cowboys fans, last night saying, fire yourself. I think they think that McCarthy actually runs that. Um, But the Mike McCarthy fan club started as a troll. Uh, because Packer fans were only happy when they were unhappy, because all they would do is complain about Mike McCarthy, despite being in NFC Championship games, winning the NFC North, you know, winning and winning and winning and winning. But mm-hmm. uh, they just wanted to fire him, so it started out as a troll. But now looking at, I do feel for the highly successful NFL head coach. Um, you have a brand new system coming in as a, you know a brand new offense, and then you have no off season to implement it, like in person. You have no preseason games to implement it. Uh, obviously, because there's no preseason games. And then you have Dak Prescott break his foot, and you have injuries left and right all through decimating the Dallas Cowboys. And now you have, obviously, the defense is just atrocious. The defense is giving up the most amount of points. I forget exactly what team it is. Like the Baltimore Colts are like 1961. It's insane of how bad they are. Uh, but when you have a guy, a brand-new head coach, implementing all brand-new stuff, and you have no in-person offseason and no preseason, you're going to have a bad time. And then when your star quarterback 
breaks his ankle, you're going to have a bad time. So, and now I see these reports that the that he's like losing the locker room or whatever. It's yeah. just it's a mess down in there. And honestly, as a Packers fan. I kind of chuckle. I do feel for Big Mike, though. Well, I, I feel for Mike, too. I'm glad that the Packers seemingly made the right decision and they are succeeding. I I don't want Mike to get fired. Like, if it turns out to be a catastrophe and he never wins any games, okay, sure, then he gets what he deserves. But I, I feel like he's been really up against it so far, and I, I just hope he has a chance to yeah. turn it around because I, I do want to see oh, him succeed. Totally. Yeah, Evo. Well, definitely. Well, Grant, to, yeah. in my opinion, though, McCarthy is a relic of the late 2000s, early 2010s of, you know, NFL's a changes so rapidly and so fast. And Mike McCarthy, I think, he his glory days are behind him. But, I mean, we'll see. He did subscribe to Pro Football Focus, though, is what I thought. Like, didn't he get in on the analytics game? He's He's been trying to turn it around a little bit. Um, I Look, we're joking about it. I, I do want to see Mike McCarthy do well. I, I hope he has an opportunity to succeed. Oh, listen, he's, uh, so we're going to be doing here in Madison the American Family Children's Hospital Radiothon, which starts tomorrow mm-hmm. in Madison and Thursday and Friday. Mike McCarthy, when he was with the Packers, was a champion for the American Family Children's Hospital. He raised help raise millions of dollars uh, for, and this is all a nonprofit organization in Madison. He helped raise millions of dollars. He had a charity golf event as well. Mike McCarthy was down there his final year as head coach. I actually got to shake his hand and talk with him for a little bit. He did nothing but good for, you know, the community in Madison and surrounding area. I, I just love that we're talking about Mike McCarthy today because it's ultimately like it, we're just avoiding talking about how the Packers got blown out on Sunday. And that's why I started the game talking about the Cowboys, not because I'm a Cowboys fan at all. But I'm like, I, I just want to talk about something that's not this blowout. I suppose we should get down to business. They got killed on Sunday and blowouts. I don't know about you, but blowouts are tough for me because when I'm planning a radio show, right, if, if a game comes down to one play, we just start the show by talking about that one play, and you go from there. Right. There's the show. But when the Packers get blown out, it sometimes is difficult to decide on exactly where to start. I, I guess I'm curious, when you went on air Monday morning at 6 a.m. to begin to talk about this game, where did you start? What was the one sticking point that uh, that you really hit on Monday morning after this game? Well, for me, it, it started right away. Is this is this one clunker, you know, which teams are afforded? Is this one clunker, or is this a systemic problem? You know, going back to last year, because the Packers, their team really hasn't changed. Um, they got rid of Jimmy Graham. They added some, you know, the linemen. There's, you know, what has really changed for the Packers yeah. for the worse, besides injuries, I guess, on the offensive line and some injuries here and there. It's basically the same team as last year. And when you remember last year, the the Packers went to San Francisco in the regular season and they got embarrassed on a national stage. Aaron Rodgers looked pathetic. You, then they went back against the Chargers, and the same thing. I mean, the Chargers are not an elite team, but they had an elite pass rush. Aaron Rodgers looked pretty sad. Uh, then you go to that Eagles game. That was a that was the clunker. The 49ers then in the playoffs exposed the Packers again for what they were. It was not a, an elite team. It was a good team, but it was not an elite team like the Niners. That was the wake-up call for me is an NFC Championship game looking back in hindsight. Now I went on the air I, you know, Monday once the, the Packers got – Beat thirty-eight to ten. By the way, the same score that the Cowboys lost by. Yeah. And you look at you look at this team. It's like okay, well, that's an elite pass rush in the Buccaneers. Tom Brady is the goat, obviously, and like they could see them in the playoffs in the NFC playoffs. So I asked, is this did the Packers get exposed or is it a clunker? And right now, I lean clunker, but there's some exposing that's been done because it's the same team as the. Last year in the NFC Championship game, you know? Yeah, Ebo from The Zone joining us here on the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bill, so you can tweet at me if you'd like, at Wisco Grant, if you want to join in on this conversation. Here's something that sticks with me, and I'm, I'm as big of an Aaron Rodgers fan as you'll find. 
I, I what I hate is that seemingly every year there's a game like this where the Packers come out and it just doesn't go their way and everything's gone against them. And at some point, collectively as a team, they just decide, okay, it's not our day. Let's get out of here. And the, the stats are terrible. They basically just tip over, lay over, they fold. And then they go to the press conference and they're like, oh, we'll learn from this. We needed a good kick in the ass. We needed motivation. And then they and, and then it's business as usual the next week. I I guess I, I we need a coach. We need a player or somebody to just stand up and be like, no, like we should take this personally. Like this isn't just a chance to grow or learn or be humbled. Like this is a reflection of us as a team and us as men. And like I never even played football, so I'm, I'm not personally connected to this at all. But if you're getting embarrassed that badly, like why is nobody upset? Like why? I was talking to a coworker today. He's like, we need to bring Kevin Green back because at least he would, you know, in the locker room, he'd flip over a table or something. Like it just seems like they don't care, and that's the problem that always pops up. You can talk about wide receivers or linebackers or anything else, but this team is just soft, and, and that softness shows up at the worst times. Well, Grant, who's who gets paid the most amount of money in the Green Bay Packers? Oh, Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm not going to disagree with you, yeah. You know, to me, the game was over at halftime. When, when Rodgers threw that pick six, it was a total deflation uh, on the field. And then he came out and threw another interception. And then Indomica Sue, you know, later on in the game, starts getting into Rodgers' face, and you could tell that it was under his skin. Uh, in hindsight, looking back on the game, was lost at halftime. It mm-hmm. was – and then the Buccaneers got the ball back, and then all of a sudden the Packers looking at 20 – was it 28-10 to 10 deficit? That was it. I mean, that was over. Um, that's just what it was. But, yeah, you, you needed someone not to fold up like a lawn chair that's sitting in my garage. You need someone to come out and show a little something, something, a little panache, if you will. Yeah. I don't know if that word fits there, but I'm going to use it. Sounds but, good. <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> but someone needs to step up and do something. And then after the game, you hear Aaron Rodgers saying, oh, well, you know, we needed our asses kicked. We needed a wake-up call. And then Kenny Clark said it again yesterday. And I'm thinking to myself, and I, said, I talked about this a lot this morning on the morning show, I'm like, what do you mean you need a wake-up call? What do you mean you needed your ass kicked? You were 4-0 and undefeated kicking everyone else's ass. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I always use it this way, Grant. Like, when you go golfing and you're playing par or birdie golf, like you're, if, like you're playing out of your mind, and then all of a sudden you get a double bogey, you're like, oh, yeah, I really needed that double bogey to get my game back into play. It's like, huh? Like, you, were, you were doing things only four other teams have ever done in the NFL uh, offensively, and now you needed – your ass kicked? I, that I don't understand. Well, and I didn't like I, I didn't like hearing what I heard from Lafleur and Rogers in the press game or in the post game presser because it's like, oh, we had a bad week of practice. We needed to be humbled. We needed this, this, this is good for us. And I'm thinking, well, you were up ten to nothing. Your defense forced two punts to start the game. You were dominating time of possession. You were moving the ball and scoring. How bad could the practice have been? Like, does a does an ugly practice only rear its head in the second quarter? And like being humbled, if you needed to be humble so bad. Why didn't you administer that own kick in the ass? If Rodgers is looking around at practice and he sees dudes tooling around and not taking things seriously and he knows, oh, we need to be humbled, why doesn't he do it? He's a two-time MVP. I I think his voice carries weight enough to do so. And then once again, if you need to be humble so bad, why are you up 10-0 moving the ball and celebrating in the end zone? I I don't think you needed to be humble there. So I I just don't buy it. I think it's so disingenuous. Uh, uh, I agree completely. Grant, when you're you're doing a a show, which Mm -hmm. is – incredible when you do like you know appreciate you. Some, some great stuff when you're having when you're vibing having a really good time um are you like man what i could really use right now i know i just killed my segment i just killed another segment but i really could use a bunch of dead air some bad callers and some audio that doesn't work no 
Have you ever thought of that? No, absolutely not. I think I'm going to be more cocky when I turn the mic back on because I'm feeling so good. If you get one prediction right, then you just are more cocky the next time around. It just builds. That's that's how it works. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think Do you think the New England Patriots, when they lost in the Super Bowl, like they went undefeated, right? And mm-hmm. they lost in the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, man, glad we lost in the Super Bowl. We need to get humbled. Or when the Miami Dolphins went on an undefeated season to win the Super Bowl, the only team to ever do it. Do you think they were thinking to themselves as the season was unfolding, win after win? Man, I, we really could use a loss coming up here. Yeah, never happened. I, yeah, never I, happened. It's, frust- it's frustrating because if it's so obvious to them, oh, we needed this, well, then why didn't you do it internally? Like, that's something you can take care of in-house. That's something that you can speak about with coaches and with teammates, and it's it's just disappointing. Ebo from The Zone, our, our Madison affiliate, joining us on the Wisco Sports Show. I guess last question, big picture. We're looking at a pretty solid weekend here, Ebo, because when the Big Ten was canceled, I talked to you. And you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the red zone on Saturdays where there normally would be a game, normally be a a party, and you're going to cry in your beer, right? That's what you said last time I talked college football with you. And now this Friday, we get the Badgers back. We get the Big Ten back, which to me is going to make college football feel real. Like I've been watching a little bit, but I'll actually get into it now that the Big Ten's up. And then the Packers will be back with a chance to redeem themselves this weekend. What are you going to be doing this weekend? Because I know last time you said you're going to cry in a beer. I hope you're not crying in a beer this weekend. How is this shaping up for you? What are your plans for the return of the Badgers this weekend? Well, first of all, I'm going to be uh, smiling ear to ear as I drink a Bloody Mary, the anytime drink, at <laughs> 7 o'clock at night because, yes, you can drink it at any time, yeah. but also because I love having a Bloody Mary before the Badgers or while the Badgers are kicking off. So I'll be smiling ear to ear. I don't know what I'm going to do, Grant. Because downtown Madison, I think they put the clamps on it. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's, if there's bar owners out there, I'd love to hear from you. Call me in the morning show, you know, 608-321-1670. Shameless plug right there. But, um, <laughs> man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, all I know is I want to want to marry. I'm going to have some beers. I'm going to have an old-fashioned because it's Friday night in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to watch the Badgers take it to the Fighting Illini. Other, I, I don't know. I'm waiting for, like, bar owners downtown to give me a call and tell me, like, are you open? Is, yeah. the, is Dane County letting you be open? Let or me know. Swamp Goblins letting you be open? I don't know. Well, Ebo, this is something you're going to appreciate, and, and I'll say goodbye after this because I do got to take a break. I got to talk about some something with the Vikings or the Packers. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. I, I was driving home the other night. I, I leave the building around 730, and I went around the corner onto 3rd Street, and Dell's is on the corner, and they are the self-proclaimed oh. Bloody Mary champs of 3rd Street. And down to, yeah, exactly. Great Bloody Mary. And they have picnic tables set up outside, and they've they've had them there for a couple of weeks. And I thought as it would get colder, as it has this week, that they would kind of, it would transition away from that, that they get rid of it. But no, I, I drove home the other night on Monday night at 7.30 p.m. And it's like 42 degrees. People are sitting out there drinking PBR in 32 degrees. And that like gave me some hope because I think maybe a Saturday afternoon, I get my car hearts on and I plot my can at a picnic table yeah. in downtown La Crosse. That could actually, that could be like the best of both worlds. It's like ice fishing and being at a bar except minus the fishing, which is the worst part of ice fishing. Anyways, I think that hey, could be amazing. Grant, first yes? of all, do never, do never knock ice fishing to me. That's, that's a sacred sport. Oh, I love ice fishing. But uh, as, a, as a true Wisconsin <laughs> night, nothing will keep us away from the bars, safely, obviously, and following proper guidelines. Don't get me wrong. Of course. But being outside, there's nothing better than the Wisconsin. There's the Canadian tuxedo, which is, you know, all denim. Mm-hmm. And then there's the there's the Wisconsin tuxedo. You have two different versions, the all-blaze orange or the camouflage. And that will keep you warm throughout the winter as you uh, are on an outside patio braving the elements, as a true Wisconsinite should. Oh, I can't wait to drink freezing cold PR or PBR, I don't know, in 25-degree weather. Just throw on the Carhartts, throw on the, the blaze orange, and, and it'll be a blast. That's warm. That's warm, brother. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, even with a cold beer in my hand. Well... 
Ebo, I'm glad that you don't have to cry into your beer this weekend and that you can enjoy a Bloody Mary at whatever time you choose because I, I agree with you. It is an anytime drink, and I'm glad that you bring that message here in lacrosse. Man, I appreciate the time. I'd love to have you back. We'll talk Badger football. We'll we'll talk about it all. We got lots of time, and, well, and I can't wait to have you back. Tomorrow morning on my morning show, you're joining me at 740. Oh, yeah, that's right. I got to go to bed early for that, don't, don't I? I, can't, I won't forget. He'll yell at me. I can't have too many Bloody Marys tonight because I got to get up on time. Ebo, I will talk to you in the morning, my friend. Thanks again for coming appreciate on. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Talk to you then. Yeah, that's Ebo. Mornings on The Zone in Madison. We got to talk a little bit about bars. Talk about drinking out in the freezing cold. And I do enjoy ice fishing. I can't wait for the water to freeze over because now I can't fly fish. I'm just, we're in purgatory right here as fishermen. I, I can't wait to ice fish, but you got to agree. I mean, best part of ice fishing. Yeah, you catch some, catch some panfish. You light up the Vexilar, but, you know, standing around with your friends. Somebody brings some beer. You stand, Maybe you get a little winter sunshine out on the ice. Woo, nothing better. Nothing better. I can't wait for ice fishing. And drinking in downtown Lacrosse with Carhartt's on. That's that's going to be amazing. We got to look for the silver linings in 2020. When we come back, I want to talk about the Vikings for just a couple of minutes. We'll get back into the Packers coming up after five o'clock. It's the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Packers talk. We're going to talk a little bit about Mike McCarthy as well, just because it's interesting. It's dramatic. That's what the Cowboys are all about. It's fun. We'll do that coming up after five o'clock. We're also going to hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers today as he joined the Pat McAfee show. Some interesting conversation about Sunday's game and what's going on between him and uh, his old buddy Ndamukin Sue as well. I figured they'd talk about that today. I was hoping they'd talk about it, and they did. We'll get to that coming up at 5.30. As for right now, I, I want to talk just for a couple of minutes about the Vikings. I-, I live with a Vikings fan, and I didn't get to see him all of last week or all of this weekend. I didn't get to see him until last night. He went on a little trip, uh, and he just wasn't around. And I got home last night. We were watching Monday Night Football, and talked a little fantasy, talked about the Packers and the Vikings. And, and last night, I finally had to ask him, I'm like, bruh, like, what is the deal with your team? Like, what is going on? Kirk threw three picks. The Falcons are garbage. They just fired their coach and their GM. And then he got all upset, not at me, but at his team. He's like, oh, you mean Kirk who threw the, the pick on the first play of the game? Like, he, he's just fed up. He's done. And he was not happy. So we were talking about Zimmer's offensive coordinator and if he would make a change, you know, hypothetically. And then we realized the OC's Gary Kubiak. And I... Can you really fire Gary? I don't think you can fire Gary Kubiak. You just put him out to pasture. Like, I think he's been around in the league that long. I just don't think you fire him. And I was looking at some of Mike Zimmer's former offensive coordinators, and it's an interesting list, and it's an interesting point that I want to make. Pat Shermer was the OC in 2017, had an amazing year. Case Keenum led the offense to the NFC Championship game. I think they could have beat the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles were that much better. They were just hot. The next year, he leaves to be the head coach of the New York Giants. The next year, he is replaced by John Filippo, who came from the Eagles, right? Replaces Shermer, and he's fired midseason because the Vikings weren't running the ball enough or whatever. He's now the quarterback's coach for the Bears. Kevin Stefanski was elevated to replace John Filippo. He had been in Minnesota since, I think, 2006 under what would have been Brad Childress. He's now the head coach for the Cleveland Browns. So now Zimmer, for the fourth or fifth OC in, in the last four or five years, has Gary Kubiak. This is the case against a defensive-minded head coach. You have one great year, and you lose the OC, and your entire offense goes with him. What happened to Dan Quinn, right? The Falcons were the best team in the NFC in, what was that, 2017, 2018? Best team in the NFC, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, who is not athletic, who doesn't have a particularly strong arm, Matt Ryan won an MVP. They go to the Super Bowl. They should have won the Super Bowl. And what happens? Next year, they start at ground zero, because Kyle Shanahan and everyone on his staff went to go get promotions. 
I'm not saying that Vic Fangio or Mike Zimmer or Matt Patricia or Brian Flores or Ron Rivera or any other defensive coach in the league. I'm not saying they can't coach. I'm not saying they don't deserve head coaching jobs, but this is the reality. And Miami is another interesting example. What happens to the Dolphins and to Brian Flores when Tua is in the perfect offense and the perfect system and he starts playing well and he hits his stride? The offensive coordinator is going to leave because that's what always happens. You can replace a defensive coordinator. The Bears are doing it with Chuck Pagano. Their defense is pretty darn good again. It's not as good as it was under Fangio. Fangio's next level. But by and large, they've maintained defensively. If the Packers would have hired Mike Pettin, and then Mike Pettin makes Matt LaFleur offensive coordinator, and they're off to this amazing start, Matt LaFleur's gone in a few months. So I'm not saying Mike Zimmer's a bad coach. In fact, I think Mike Zimmer is a pretty good coach. Matt Patricia's a terrible coach, offensive or defensive. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying defensive-minded coaches can't be head coaches, but the problem is as soon as they start to have success and as soon as their team starts clicking, what happens? The offensive coordinator leaves. That's what happened with Kevin Stefanski and the Vikings last year. They finally kind of get a plan and get a foundation and they start having success. What happens? Floor drops out because Kevin Stefanski goes to get a job, a better job, a head coaching job, a play-calling job. That's why you hire an offensive-minded head coach. And it's something that isn't talked a ton about right now. But I think in the next year, people are going to start to realize, uh, yeah, why are we hiring defensive-minded head coaches just for their staff to be picked clean every two or three years? Something to keep in mind.